Well, that video tells you the sermon series that we have been in for the last several weeks, the last couple weeks, and this is the third week of that series, Seven Words to Change Your Life. It's a bold and audacious statement, isn't it? That those seven words could change your life. But truly, what we are saying and what we're promising is, if you are open to them, that they can change your life. And so we are glad that you're here today at Northridge. For those of you, a lot of you are here for the very first time. You've never been in church in a village center, a community center before. It's like, this is weird and it's cool. That's how we roll at Northridge, weird. And we like it and we're comfortable in it. And uh, so I hope that you realize that. But we want you to know that those of you who are here for the first time, maybe you're here to celebrate with somebody who's getting baptized. Maybe you're just here checking us out. I know for the first time, I know some of you, this is just the Sunday that you ended up coming. Uh, That's awesome. We want you to know that this is a safe place, a safe community, a safe group of people for you to dig in and find out what it means to follow Christ, to follow Jesus on a daily basis. We do not believe in a church in where we show up every now and then on a Sunday morning. That's American Christianity. That's not Christianity. We believe in a faith where we have a relationship with Jesus every minute of every day. And then it changes who you are. And it changes what you do. And so we are here, and I don't know, I want to just kind of tag off of what Ryan Meester already said uh, during the announcements, but uh, isn't it awesome that we have almost 2,000, literally almost a ton, literal ton of food over there that we're going to give to the food pantry a little bit later this uh, today. And that was all um, in a matter of a few hours yesterday. And so those of you that came and helped and knocked on doors and passed out flyers and collected food and sorted the food, because it has to be sorted by date, like expiration date, uh, thank you for doing that. And uh, I'm just so excited. Uh, And then today we've got one of the most amazing days we ever have each year. Uh, It really is. Today is going to be unbelievable. Uh, And so two weeks ago we talked about in this series about the word yes, and how it can change your life. If you say yes to who God says you are, not who you think you are or who somebody else says you are, but who God says you are, and if you say yes to who God says and what he says you should do. Then last week we talked about the opposite word. We talked about no. And we talked about this phrase, and it's a powerful phrase. If anything that you got from last week, this is the the main thing, and that is behind every wise no, not any no, but every wise no is a better yes. And so that's kind of where we've been. And today we're talking about the word thanks. And the question you might have is, can the word thanks really change your life? Well, I think it's a good question, right? Because we know that thanks and thank you, I don't know if you, you kind of do this with your kids, but it's a polite thing to do, isn't it? Right? I don't know. Have you ever done this? Like when somebody hands the kids something or gets them a drink or, you know, or they do something really nice for our kids, they give them maybe a ride home from school because it's raining. And, and then what do you say? I know that we do this, Laura and I do this all the time. We're like, we're waiting, we're waiting. Okay, now what do you say? Come on, right? We've done this like 27,000 times, right? And it's like, what do you say? We're like, say thank you. Right? Why do we do that? Is it because the word is magical? No. Is it because, like, thanks is just, you know, it's a polite thing to do? Well, yeah, it's polite, so we kind of want them. We don't want to look bad, right? Part, let's be honest, parents. Part of it, we just don't want our kids to look ungrateful, right? So we're like, say thank you, say thank you. You're embarrassing me. I'm a better parent than this. Right? Let's be honest. Like, there's part of that going on there, right? But it's more and it's deeper than just being polite, isn't it? It's better. It's deeper than that. What we really want our kids to have, what we really want to have, what we want the world to have is, and it's it's a cheesy phrase, but we want people to have an attitude of gratitude, don't we? We want our children, we want ourselves, we want the world to have a mindset, a worldview of thankfulness, don't we? And so today we're really talking about a mindset of thankfulness, of gratefulness, rather than just the word thanks. And so as we get into this, we're going to find this and, and kind of see this. Well, as you might imagine, God has something to say about gratefulness. He has something to say about thanks. And the first passage I want to share with you comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing about how Christians should be. 
He's writing about how you and I, if we're followers of Christ, if we claim to love Jesus and follow Jesus, he's telling us what we need to do and what we need to be like. Okay? And so listen to what uh, Paul writes and what God tells us. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice that there are, the, there are the words always and all in there. Just so that we're clear, that kind of rules out anything else. <laughs> always and all is kind of like, well, it means always and all. <laughs> it, it's not like sometimes, it's not like, well, not, you know, not on the bad days. It, it means that we need to be grateful and thankful in every single day. Good days, bad days. How many of you are like, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, let's be thankful for the bad days. Even cold baptism days <laughs> need to be thankful for, <laughs> right? What this says is always and all, we always need to be thankful no matter what's going on, even if it's the worst day of your life. Is that really what it's saying? That's really what it's saying. And I want us to understand that it, this is a little bit deeper than just, you know, being, saying thank you or saying thanks. It's an attitude of gratitude. It's, it's a grateful mindset. And notice that this is not a request of God. Did you notice what Paul wrote? And remember, this is, this is Paul writing with God's direction, right? And so notice what he writes at the end of this. He says, be thankful, always be joyful, never stop praying. Like these are absolute words. You have to always be grateful. And then he says, this is God's what? God's will for you. <laughs> this is not like, well, if you can, it'll make you a super Christian. Like you'll be a good Christian, but if you're grateful, then you'll be a super Christian. Like, we'll give you a cape and stuff. It'll be cool. Like, that's, that's not what he says. That's not what is kind of the assumption here. He says, this is God's will for you to be grateful. Let me, let me put it in the opposite tense, like opposite of what Paul wrote. If you're not grateful, you're out of God's will. If you're going to be ungrateful, you're outside of God's will. You're outside of his plan. Puts it in an interesting light in that, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, but I do pretty good on the good days. <laughs> right? When things are going well, when my kids actually listen, <laughs> it's like, oh, miracle, the waters have parted. <laughs> my children listened the first time. It's amazing. God, you are so good. And I'm grateful, Right? But it's those other days, those kind of mediocre days and those bad days where I have a hard time being grateful. Do you? I do. Well, let me just kind of give you a couple of practical things of why being grateful is so important. Uh, at the University of Harvard, they did a study about 400 adults. Uh, this was several years ago, I think 2011. And uh, this study was basically, the, the whole thing was to measure people's gratefulness and to measure what their gratefulness had impact, like how it impacted their life. You know what they found? And they did all kinds of things with this. I won't get into the details. But out of 400 adults, what they discovered is the ones who had a grateful mindset, and they had a way to kind of test all this, the ones who had a grateful view of life and themselves and the world, they had far less stress, far less anxiety, and far less depression than the group that tended to be ungrateful. Now, given that statistic or that study, let me ask you this question. I'm not going to answer it. I just want to ask it. Is it possible that we are very stressed out and anxiety-ridden and depressed, just overwhelmed and frustrated, not necessarily because of a busy schedule, not necessarily because life is hard, but because we're ungrateful at the core. Is it possible that we viewed our life and we look at it and we're not grateful for what we have and who we are? Is it possible that the stress is resulting from our view of our life, not because of our life? Again, I'm not going to answer that question. You can mull that one over. There was another article done in the Wall Street uh, Journal, again, several years ago, I think maybe 2013, something like that. 
and, and it basically talked about entitlement, right? And by the way, when I say the word entitlement, right away, my guess is ent- all entitled, right? People who are entitled. What do you think of? You think about people who are younger than you. I know how your mind works because my mind works that way, right? Right? You think immediately of people who are younger than you, like teenagers, kids, like anybody who's younger than you, entitled. Unbelievable. I didn't have to. I didn't get to do that when I was your age. I had to walk up hill both ways. We all know that's lying, right? Just because if you went uphill, you have to come back. Anyway, in the snow, 20 degrees below zero. I mean, I did it every day. Okay, whatever, right? Because, and why do we say that? Because we have a feeling that they're being entitled. Well, they wrote this article on being entitled. And, and what they found was, well, it was interesting. I'll, I'll just give you the quote. There's this guy named Dr. Weisberg that studies this, studied this his whole life, this entitled and psychology of it and all this stuff. And he was quoted as saying this. This is very interesting. He said, parents have been fed a myth. And the myth is that if children feel better about themselves, if parents praise them, cater to their every need, and make them feel happy, then it will help them develop character. But, he said, what we are seeing in many cases is exactly the opposite of that. When parents organize their entire lives around their kids, those kids expect everyone else to do the exact same for them. And that leads to entitlement. And I want you to hear his conclusion, because it's pretty powerful, and in my opinion, it's on target right on. He says, when kids are raised to feel entitled to everything, they are left feeling grateful for nothing. I think he nailed it. Actually, I know he did, because your heart stings a little bit like it does mine when I read it. So the question becomes, can thanks change your life? I think the obvious answer is, you bet it can. It does. It will. It has to. It needs to. Because there's no other way. It is God's will for us. So the question becomes, what can we do? What can we do about this? How can we be more grateful, more thankful in our life, right? Because it's good to say, okay, we need to be more grateful. Thanks. But, but how do we do that? Well, I want to give you, normally I would give you like two or three or four points, right? Northridgers, you guys who have been here a long time, you know that. <laughs> Today we're in pinch time because we've got some really important stuff to do, right? We've got to get some people wet, right? <laughs> and so what we need to do is we're going to do one thing. I'm going to give you one thought, one change that you can make that I think if you really take this on and you really think about this, you can change this and, and it will help you to be more grateful. And I think you can grow into it. Let me give you the point and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes. We need to eliminate when-then thinking. We need to eliminate when-then thinking. So let me explain this. I'll, I'll give you an illustration. Uh, Laura and I and our three kiddos, we just a few months ago got a dog. Um, some of you were like, oh, that's so, oh, it's awesome. And there she is. This, her name is Daisy. Uh, this was a couple of months ago. We took her on a hike with some friends of ours, and we were uh, just running around, and she stood up on the rock. I was like, oh, magazine-worthy. Like, this is perfect. I'm like, you know, well, you have to have your smartphone with you for those kind of moments, right? And it's like, boom. We used to call it Kodak moment, but, you know, they decided not to do digital, so <laughs> they're gone. But, you know, and so we snapped a picture, right? And I, so I got the phone. Boom, there it is. There's Daisy. So we got Daisy a few months ago, and let me just tell you that for uh, several months, maybe more than a year, before we got Daisy, me personally, I had been hemming and hawing on this thing, like dragging my feet, I don't want a dog, right? I just, I, like, we are, and here's, here's, here's some of the things that I was saying. I would say things like, you know, when we get a little bit more money than we have, you know, to buy the food and take them to the vet and all kind of, like, I'm thinking money financially here, right? I'm like, I'm looking, I'm going, I don't know. So when we get more money, then, right, then we can get the dog. Or when our kids get a little older, 
right? Have more responsibility, then we can do it because we need somebody to walk in, walk her and, and pick up those logs that they drop in the yard. You know what I'm talking about. That's the funnest job ever, right? And, and I'm like, well, when they get old enough where they can really do that, because they say they're going to do that, but we all know what that means, right? We all know, I won't even paint that picture, but we all know what that means. Like, yeah, okay. I promise I'll feed them every day. Okay. Two weeks, maybe. Two weeks. Mom and dad always doing it, right? And so, and I'd say when, and, you know, when we do this, and when, maybe when we have a little less stress, maybe when we have a little more time in our schedule. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> right? That's hilarious. And I would say when, then, when, then, when, and then we can do that. I said it for over a year. And the truth is that in this case, this is something that needed to happen. I won't, I won't go into why, but it's something for our family that needed to happen. And, and the truth is, um, I, I was thinking this win-then. I thought that there was this perfect moment, this perfect thing that we were going to get to this, and, and then it would be fine. It'd be time to get a dog. Well, the problem is that perfect time never comes. So we just need to get the dog. <laughs> and I'm so thankful that we did. But let me just explain how win-then thinking works, because we need to get rid of it. So when-then thinking, and this, this is the belief behind it, when-then thinking kind of is like this. It is that we are sitting in the current moment, in the current status of our life, the things that we have, the people that are around us, who we are at the core, everything that you can take into account for your life, it, it, it's where you're ungrateful for that because you think that around the corner in a day or in a few weeks or in a few months or a couple years down the road, around the corner is something better and it's going to make you happy or happier. You understand? When then thinking thinks, I can't be as grateful as I can now. I can't be fully happy now because we're going to get to this point and then I'm going to be happy. It's when then thinking. So let me just give you some examples. When I get that promotion, then X, Y, Z. When I graduate, then I can do that. When I retire, then we're going to have some fun. I just, I mean, let me just tell you, and I hear this all the time. We think this way, guys. You, I know you do, because I think this way. I get, I, get, I get lied to all the time about this, too. I lie to myself about this. If you're waiting to live until you retire, you've missed the most of your life, just so you know. You've missed most of your life. It's the, retirement is like the ultimate win then thinking. We need to get rid of it. When I have more money, when I have more time, <laughs> yeah, when's that going to happen? When I get that first job, when I, when I get to go on that vacation, I know how I look forward to vacations. When, when we do that, then I'll be happy. Right now I'm just stressed, but when we get to go on the vacation, oh, I'll just be, oh, it's going to be awesome. When we have kids, when we do this, when, 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 then, then things will be good. You know what happens when we are living in our life and we're waiting for that when then? It never comes, and you can never be grateful in the moment, ever. You know why? Because you're always looking around the corner. And so you've got blessings right in front of you, and you're looking past them to around the corner because you want something even better and greater and bigger than that. And God says, but this is awesome. Like, where are you going? This, be in the moment. This is your life. We've got to get rid of when-then thinking. And we can never be happy in the moment if we are stuck in that. Psalm 118.24 says this. says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You guys have probably heard that verse, but have you ever thought of it as connected to gratefulness? It says, This is the day. Like, today is the day. Not tomorrow. Not when we finally get that thing. Not when we get, you know, the landscaping perfect. Not when we get to move from this house that's old into this house that's new. No. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's gratefulness for right now. Not when then. 
Let me give you another one. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this. says, teach us. It's kind of like a prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is a prayer. This is a request to God. And I want you to notice it says, number your days. Now, we all know that this is probably not counting, but I, I did this this week. I was like, okay, let me number my days. All right? And so I figured out how many days I've been on the planet. Right? I was just like, this is, maybe this is a weird pastor thinking. I don't know. Right? Or maybe I just have too much time. Right? You're like, dude, what do you do all day? I get it. We'll talk later. <laughs> Walk a mile in my shoes, right? But I just figured out how many days I've been down here. And as of today, I had to figure it, you know, proactively. As of today, 14,698 days I've been on the earth, according to my birthday. Okay, 14,698 days. But what this is saying is it's not saying count them, <laughs> right? This is not saying number your days and see how many it is and see how big the number is. Woohoo! good job, you're the winner. You get a trophy, Right? That's not what it's saying. What is it saying? It's saying, be thankful for the days that you've had. Be thankful for the day that you're in. And be thankful for the days that God is going to give you, no matter how many or how short. Be thankful. And I get it. Those of you that are having a good week, you're like, preach it, brother. Get him. Those of you that are going through difficulties, you're like, yeah, okay, you talk to me. You haven't been, you're not in my shoes. I understand. It is hard to be grateful consistently. I, I, I confess, I have a hard time with it as well. But it's something that we need to work at, that we've got to get to. Because here, let me give you a quote from another pastor that is just powerful. Uh, pastor Craig Rochelle, he, said, he once said this. He said, every blessing, in other words, any good thing that you get comes from God. Every blessing that is not turned into praise, into gratefulness, turns into pride. It becomes, I did that, I earned it, it's mine, I'm awesome. Any blessing that you have, that you have not turned back into gratefulness, and you haven't used it to serve others, you haven't given it away, you haven't used it in gratefulness, it turns into pride. It becomes something that you can rest your laurels on, not God. It's one of those things that we need to change. There's a book called Greater Than Grace. Maybe some of you have read it. Uh, I've heard a couple of you, I think, talk about it. Uh, but it's called Greater Than Grace, and it's written by a guy named Kyle Eidelman. And he writes a story in that book. Another pastor was actually telling this story. And, uh, but he writes a story in that book where there's a guy that contacts his church, this pastor's church. And, and he contacts and he says, hey, I need some help with a gravestone. And they're like, well, that's really random, out of the blue, you know, kind of a request. Like somebody doesn't usually just contact you out of the blue. He wasn't connected to the church. And, and so I need some help with a gravestone. And so uh, the pastor, one of the pastors contacted him back and started talking to him. Uh, and, and he explained basically what had happened. He said, well, just a little while ago, earlier today, uh, I, I got up and my entire body was orange, like pumpkin orange. That's how it's described in the book, pumpkin orange. And he said, I went to the doctor because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't feel right and all that stuff. And he said, what happened was it just destroyed my world. But he walked in and they, they did some tests and they found out that he had an aggressive form of cancer. And that it, that's what was turning him orange. And that he had two to three days from that moment. Two to three days. They said, we might be able to give you a week or two, but probably two to three days, literally, from the moment he walked in. And he told the pastor, and he said, what I realized in that very moment, he said, everything just crashed. But he said, one thing that happened was, he said, I realized I had not been grateful for anything. He said, all of a sudden, I was immediately grateful for just the next taste of food. He said, immediately I was grateful for the birds outside chirping. Immediately, I was grateful for just the sound of the wind, just for air, for the people in my life. Immediately, he said, I was so grateful for all of it. I was so thankful because I knew it was going away. And he said, he told the pastor, he said, the reason I need help with my gravestone is I want you to engrave something on there for me. 
And he said, I want you to put this on there. He said, I want you to say, Lord, forgive me for the days I was ungrateful. And he said, I don't want anybody to go through life like I have. I want anybody that walks by that gravestone, anybody that hears about my life, I want them to get this message that you need to be grateful now. Now. Because today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So I ask you all, what is the message of your life? Honestly. If you were to look at your life, what is the message of your life? Is it gratefulness or is it selfishness? When people look at your life, when they experience you, is it gratefulness or is it thanklessness? Let me ask it this way. Is your life showing the greatness and pointing to the greatness of God? Or is it pointing to your own greatness? Are you promoting God or are you promoting yourself? Because it is a question of gratefulness. You know, one of the greatest ways we can show gratefulness is to honor somebody who did something great. Isn't that right? One of the greatest ways that we can show gratefulness to somebody is to shout it out and let everybody know that they're great. Right? When somebody does something for me or for Laura, for our family, one of the things that we try to do anytime we can, and if they ask to remain anonymous, then we respect that, of course. But if, if they do something good for us, you know what we do? We tell everybody we can about it. And you're like, hey, listen, did you know what they did? <laughs> this is amazing. You should just, you should go thank them, <laughs> even though I know it wasn't for you. But here, in fact, here, you can have a little bit of this, right? And, and, we, and we shout it out and we let everybody know how amazing these people are because they did whatever they did. Well, today is powerful because today, baptism is all about gratefulness. Isn't it? What we are seeing is we're going to have 14 people today who have decided that they want to shout that they want to declare publicly in front of you. And it's, let's be honest, it's hard to do that, isn't it? How many of you want to stand up? How many of you want to be on video and share your testimony? It's hard to do that. But these people have all, 14 people have said, I want to do that. I want everybody to know I am a follower of Jesus. In other words, they're declaring their gratefulness for what Jesus did in their life, which is to take their sins away. And by the way, if you're going to be grateful for anything, that should be number one. Because what that means is if your sins are gone, and the only way to do that is through Jesus, if your sins are gone, that means you have access to God for eternity. This is a big deal. And these 14 people are here to declare it today. So as we get into our baptism time, let me just share a couple of scriptures that tell you why we're going to do it and how we're going to do it and why we're going to do it the way we're going to do it. Because some of you, this might be your first time, your experience in like full immersion, like this kind of baptism. Okay? So let me explain kind of what we're doing. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The Bible talks about two births, your physical birth and then your rebirth, your, your spiritual birth when you give your life to Christ. That's what it's talking about. You've become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So the reason I give you this verse is because what we're about to do is we're all going to head outside in a few minutes and we're going to witness a physical representation of that verse. That's all baptism is. Baptism is a physical representation of that verse of what it just said there. Okay, when they're standing before you, they're going to be in normal clothes and they're going to look like they always look. That signifies the old life before they gave their life to Jesus. And then we're going to dunk them under the water. We're not going to hold them down very long, don't worry. It's a quick deal. But we're going to dunk them under the water, and then that water comes and washes over you. That signifies the washing away of your sin by Jesus. It doesn't actually happen in the water, just so you know. It doesn't happen in the water. 
Okay? The baptism is not where you get saved. They've already gotten saved. <laughs> They've already given their life to Jesus. Jesus is already at the center of their life. What they're doing is they're just declaring it to the world. And so that signifies the washing away of the sins that has already happened. And then when they come up, they look completely different. They're kind of wet. <laughs> they're supposed to look that way. But the reason is because that signifies the brand new washed away, brand new creation, as it says here, a new life has begun. We're simply signifying something that has happened in their life. It's brand new. They're a completely different person from before Jesus to after Jesus because that's what Jesus does. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says this. He says, Go and make disciples of all the nations, and we sometimes don't understand that. What that means is carry Jesus wherever you go. When you go to work, when you're at home, when you're by yourself, when you're with your kids, when you're with people that you don't like very much, when you're driving, that's hard. <laughs> Cut me off. And, oh, yeah, I love you. Jesus loves you. <laughs> right? It's hard. Carry Jesus wherever you go, literally wherever you go, to all nations, every person. Doesn't matter your nationality. Doesn't matter your background. Carry Jesus to everywhere you go. Then baptize them. When they give their life to Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to say their name in just a minute, all 14. We'll say their name each time, and we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know why we do that? Because Jesus said we have to do it that way. <laughs> it's a good one to follow. And by the way, Jesus himself got baptized. If the Son of God needs to get baptized, eh, it's probably a good example to follow. So what we're going to do is we've got some video testimonies. We record them uh, ahead of time. And so they're going to share why they want to get baptized. And let me just tell you that this is, this is just powerful. And you're going to hear just a few statements or a few words. Um, and then at the end, you're going to hear uh, one of the couples from Northridge. They're going to share their, their story. Not their entire story, but a good portion of their story. And you're going to hear first from the husband, and you're going to hear from the wife. And you're going to see how it meshes together, and it's powerful. Every story in here, every life in here is unbelievably powerful. And I want you to hear their passion. I want you to hear their words. I want you to see their emotion. Because Jesus has truly changed their life. You'll see what I mean when you, when you hear their stories. So we're going to listen to their stories. And then I'll get back up and I'm going to give a few more instructions before we head out. Okay? So for the next 15 minutes or so, I want you to sit back, just listen to their stories, listen to what they have to say, why they've given their life to Christ. And then we're going to go out and we're going to do the baptisms. All right? So just sit tight after the videos are done because then I'll give the final instructions and we're going to release kind of in waves because we're kind of packed in here like sardines, just as you know. All right? So let's watch this. Let me pray real quick, and then we'll uh, get to the stories. God, I thank you for the 14 people that are choosing to get baptized today. I know in talking to each one, I've seen the joy and the excitement and the passion in their life for you. And so as we go out and they get baptized, I pray that your presence would just be powerful in this place. And when we pull them back up out of the water, I pray that it'd be louder than a Packers game. <laughs> because this is way bigger and way better than any sporting event that we could ever imagine. Because we're talking about 14 people who are going to spend eternity with you, God. It doesn't get better than that. So as we listen to their stories, as we see this happen, may you just be in our presence and move mightily and powerfully in our midst. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Take a look at the screens. The reason I want to be baptized today is to have a better relationship with God. The reason I want to get baptized today is to get a closer relationship with Jesus and and to show my love to Jesus and God and everyone who believes in Him. 
I want to be baptized because I want God and Jesus to know that I love them for sure and I can always count on them. I want to be baptized because I love Jesus and I want my whole family to know that he is the biggest part of my life. And from now on, I, I will always believe that Jesus died on the cross and saved me from my sins. Today I'm getting baptized because I want to give my life to Jesus and God and I want them to know that forever I will believe in them. Today I'm getting baptized because I've been going to church ever since I was a kid and I've been thinking of getting Jesus into my heart for a while now. And ever since last Christmas when Pastor Brent said if you were willing to do it to put your information on the contact card, I decided to just go for it and that be the time. My name is Gray. I grew up in an orphanage home in Liberia, Africa. My aunt Krida taught me about Jesus when I was 30 years old. I pray that one day my mom and dad will come for me and I will be saved. I have plenty of water and plenty of food. I pray that my mom and dad will face my paperwork and they will bring me to America. I love my mom and dad. Uh, the reason I'm getting baptized today is because over the last couple years I've participated in negative activities such as that have hurt my family and myself and the community and uh, Jesus has showed me the light to uh, help recover and become a better person. So I've decided to become baptized because I love Jesus. It's the right thing to do at my where I'm at in my progress, and I look forward to the day where I can spend some time you know, with him in heaven, so that's why I'm doing it. I'm Rob McGregor. A lot of people value their self-worth by how well they're doing. At this juncture in my life, I want to value my self-worth, how well I'm doing in Christ. I know not only God ordained, I'm getting baptized. It's going to bring me closer in my heart to Christ, and I can't wait. So I didn't go to church at all as a child. Um, I probably didn't step foot in a church until I was 20. Um, I met a really amazing friend who introduced me to her life group um, and I fell in love with the people in it. I started going to church on a regular basis. Um, when I moved to the Madison area, I really struggled to find a church that was the right fit for me. Um, and I, I guess I lost touch with my relationship with God during that time. Um, at the beginning of the year, I moved to Wanakee and I met another really good friend who led a life group and um, she introduced me to Northridge and I immediately fell at home when I walked in. Um, and looking back on my life, I feel like the times when things have been the easiest or when things really fall into place well or when I've been genuinely like the most happy in my life um, have been times when my faith is really strong. So it feels like a really obvious next step for me to get baptized. I'm choosing to get baptized today because I'm surrendering to God. I've said no for a really long time and it's really hard for me to live in the world and then be baptized. And I'm just giving up. I'm giving up my fight. I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it for my family. And along the way, I've had to get rid of a lot of relationships, uh, friendships that have been drawing me away from God. And slowly but surely, I am. It's really hard. It's really hard to um, live in the world and then be baptized um, to get rid of all of my sin, but still live in the world. And so I'm making that decision today. I'm finally saying yes. It took a long time. 
Hi, my name is Patrick Fraunfelder, and today I want to share why I'm choosing to be baptized. I um, began my faith journey not long ago um, when uh, Michelle and I and our boys lived in Minnesota and um, happened upon church in a YMCA where we worked out and thought it was pretty unique and uh, different but kind of cool and, and we were definitely longing for um, some structure in our faith journey. So we gave it a shot and um, from, for a couple of years um, uh, we're members of the church at the Y and uh, really had a, began our journey of understanding what a relationship with God looked like. And um, we're so thankful for that. Um, circumstances brought us to southern Wisconsin, to the Madison area, and we were just uh, really blessed to find Northridge Church because it was a great place for us to pick up kind of where we had left off um, with our church in Minnesota. And one of the things that struck me immediately um, and has become just so relevant in my life to where I am today was um, the message is always about, um, Brent's message is never, he's always to the point and he always tells us what we need to hear. And what I realized in very short order was that a relationship with God is, it's a big commitment and it's, um, it requires time and it requires trust and it requires, it's a two-way street. You have, to, you have to be committed, but you have to listen and you have to, you have to hear and you have to obey. And not surprising, I think early in my faith journey, I just having a relationship with God felt good, but it wasn't until I got to Northridge that I um, really realized that, that it's a big commitment. And week after week after week on Sunday mornings or whether it was at our life group or whatever, the, this consistent message of, of don't take this lightly, be engaged, be all in, you know, dive into the deep end um, with your relationship with God just really kept resonating. And um, we had some life circumstances happen not too long ago. I lost my job and really for the first time, um, well, it was, it was very the most devastating thing that's happened to our family. Um, certainly, since Michelle and I have been together for for going on 17 years, and and certainly for the boys. Um, and it was, um, you know, my immediate thought went to, um, you know, at our life group, we would we would pray for people that they would have trust in God and that the families of somebody that was going through a hard time or somebody that was um, ill, you know, um, maybe terminally ill, that we would, we, would, we would pray for the families that they trust, 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 and that they would just whole, wholeheartedly trust God. And I remember saying, or thinking to myself and even saying out loud, I don't really know what that feels like. Um, and I didn't. And um, wasn't but a few months later, God thrust us into this, this situation where um, where we had to trust. And, and it, just, it just kept coming back to this is, a, this is an all-in relationship. And this is a, uh, a commitment to God. And so we knew we needed to trust. We knew we needed to be committed all in. And um, as soon as we kind of realized that, and yeah, it still was hard, and it still is hard to this day, but we also just be, became open to all of the blessings that we have. And it was kind of like, making that commitment to trust, God said, okay, well now I'm gonna, I'm gonna open your mind to some things that maybe you haven't thought of. And we just, we became very aware of things that were very fragile, a lot of sand, not enough bedrock, as we talk about. 
but we also became very aware of the blessings that we had. And so, um, I'm committing myself to Christ. I'm, I'm, I want to be baptized. I, I, I'm all in on the commitment and um, just look forward to never having to question ever again um, where I'm at with my faith and where I'm at with my relationship with God. It's, it's all in. It's in the deep end. And I'm just so thankful for everything that's led us to the point where we're at today so we can make that declaration. My name is Michelle Fraunfelder. Um, I am here to be baptized, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about why. Um, my mom had me baptized as a baby, but I was not brought up in the church. Um, she was a single parent. Um, I was an only child, and so typically on Sundays, she was either working or exhausted. So. Um, Later on in life, I got married to my amazing husband, Patrick. Um, we chose to get married by a justice of the peace outdoors. Beautiful wedding. Um, we have two beautiful boys, two children. And after our second child was born, we looked at each other and said, how do people do this on their own? Um, we started searching for a church. Um, we looked at different denominations, um, tried a little bit of everything, and we stumbled upon a small church in the YMCA that we worked out, um, worked out in. And it was amazing. Um, it was the first time that I had been a member of a church. I was in my late 30s at that time. Um, it, it changed my life. It, it was amazing. Um, I jumped right in. Um, Patrick joined the worship team. I got involved with volunteering, with um, children's ministry. We um, joined life groups, we hosted life groups, um, I got involved in Bible study. Um, God was definitely working on me, in me. Um, my, my faith journey had begun, definitely. Um, we had the boys baptized, both of them, uh, before we moved to Wisconsin. And that was, that was pretty powerful. Um, it meant a lot to, to us and, and to the boys. And when we were talking about it and going through it, I did have thoughts of getting baptized myself. Um, but I, I had this, this feeling about baptism that it was a production, that it was very showy. And I really felt that my relationship with God was between God and me, and that it was private. And at that point, I really, in no way, shape, or form, wanted to publicly put that out there. Um, so we moved to Wisconsin. We were blessed um, to find Northridge. And once again, dove right in, worship team, volunteering, um, life groups, and continued with, with my faith journey. Um, again, God working on me in, in numerous different ways. It wasn't until this past summer, um, and our family came up against some hard times, and my husband lost his job. During that time, I realized It wasn't just about trusting in God and believing in God. I really needed to lean on God. And I'd never done that before. I began praying every day and not, not only praying, but praying with my husband for the first time ever, praying regularly for my husband. Um, 
praying as a family every day, um, which, you know, again, throughout this journey, we've done that, but not, not like we have, not like we did over the summer. Um, it, it was life-changing. So that, um, that kind of brought me to where I am today. And I've learned that there's no such thing as private faith. Um, I've learned that fellowship is very, very important. And I'm, I'm proud of my journey. I'm proud of my, my relationship with Jesus. And this is my public declaration of that. Um, I think everyone has, everyone has a next step in their journey, and mine is baptism right now. life. 14 people, new life. It doesn't get bigger than that, right? And uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, it's powerful. And I hope, I mean, it's just powerful. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so we need to get these guys baptized out in the cold weather. Um, so I uh, just want to give you a couple of uh, uh, instructions. First of all, when we do get out there, um, there's a group